0: the beach. for Jesus, hallelujah, yeah, it's about him, amen, wow, it's good to be here, I just left the other campus, and I preached too long over there, so you had to give me grace, who will give me five minutes extra, 5, 10, 15, 20, here we go, amen, God's good, amen, um, I got in yesterday, I flew in from the United States, so I'm living in the fog this morning, Uh, Must be fog machines going in here, but I actually, uh, I'm working on a book, and that's the name of the book, uh, Living in the Fog, and uh, if you could, turn your Bibles to Psalms 91. I've I've ministered here a couple times before, it's uh, through the years, Um, I wondered, you know, (laughs) pastor never called me to let me come back, I wondered if he was scared of me anyway, But uh, our ministry is in the 10:40 window, and uh, Amsterdam's a gateway. the whole nation of Netherlands is a gateway nation into the regions of the world that need the gospel the most. Amen. And God called me a long time ago, as a little boy uh, during the Vietnam War. Um, I had a dream. I was 10 years old, and as an American young boy in the middle of the war, your country's in a war. You want to be a part of it, and and you, you know, your family's involved, there's friends who, who are involved, and so I had a dream of, you know, I had my little green beret hat on, and had a gun, and the clothes were like hanging on me, and you know, like they are now. Anyway, anyway uh, uh, and so in the middle of the dream, Jesus walks up to me, and he takes the, the M16 out of my hand, and he puts a Bible in my hand, and, and he points to John 316. I was like, Ah, uh, there we go. I said, he said, you're going to be a soldier in the kingdom of the Lord. And I, and I never forgot that. I never, and, I, and the first time in Vietnam, I went to Vietnam, I, I think I cried for the first seven days. Just so wonderful to be in a nation that God puts a dream in your heart that, that you're to do for him, a mission. Each and every one of you here today are on a mission. And I come to encourage you in your mission today. I got warmed up preaching at the other church, and you're going to get the full barrel of it. Amen? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited about the mission of God that Thousand Hills is on. I came here when we this building was just, he was trying to buy this building. And uh pastor was, he was struggling, man. He needed a friend. And I was like, you can't find nobody else? <laughs> Uh, this big brother, he I'm just passing through, man, but I've always seen him for years at the art conference and prayed for, I actually prayed for his wife a lot. I, I just love his wife and his, his two sons and, and uh, just encourage them in the ministry and look how the church has, has been fruitful, amen? Look at your neighbor, neighbor and say, you're fruit. Not fruity, hallelujah. Fruity, a uh, fruit, I thought it was so funny. I came in yesterday, and uh, this is the sixth city this year that I've been in that they've had this crazy carnival parade that's going on. Anybody know anything about that? <laughs> me, six, ye- six cities this year. I said, Jesus, what are you trying to talk to me about? <laughs> and, and, it, and it has to do with prophetic intercession and how, how are we to pray and how our hearts can can go religious or can go compassionate, and how Abraham approached Jesus in the midst of of uh changing times the times before the end. I believe that we are in the end times, and uh, I traveled the world our our ministry uh, spans from Sri Lanka I was in Sri Lanka during the Easter bombings, and uh, one of our churches was bombed there I didn't tell this to the first church to the first uh, service one of our Churches was bombed there, and uh, we lost 34 members, and had over 100 kids that we were taking care of in the hospital there, and in uh, the east coast of Sri Lanka, in the old war zone. I I lived there during the civil war, and uh, I didn't know what what uh, what God was doing to me. He picked me up out of America, wonderful home church, still active 37 years, faithful on the board of directors of our home church. My pastor Scott Hornsby is on the lead team of the Ark, and and so this divine connection, and God tells me to quit my career. I had a professional career in the oil industry, and I quit my, my, my big job and left and, and moved to the nation of Sri Lanka. And we went there in the height of the Civil War, and I, I didn't know what God was doing. And people would ask me, said, well, what are you doing here? You left your beautiful country to come to our poor, pitiful country. I said, no, I said, I, want, I come to tell you of a story of a great king. And I said, I'm a sign and a wonder. And they'd be like, what? I said, I'm a sign that Jesus is real, and you're wondering why I'm here, hallelujah. <laughs> so it really and truly, to me, this is, a, this is incredible. This is an honor to be here among you. Uh, I really felt like I have the word of the Lord for what God is doing with Thousand Hills Church. I haven't been here in a long time, and I, I just kind of was, I prayed for your pastor, and I just sent him a text message and said, man, I think I'm supposed to come to your church this, this summer. And he says, I think you are too. And uh, he said, I'm going to be on sabbatical. Can you come and, and uh, minister to our church? So I'm actually on my way to India. I'll be in India the whole next month. I ask you to pray for us. Uh, things are very difficult in India with the, the whole political climate. And then we just got word that where our work is in North India, right on the border of Jammu, Kashmir, China, um, Pakistan, that there's, Unrest again, and so I kind of go to war countries hey y'all want to go <laughs> it's nothing to it, man. <laughs> you just better know jesus you'd better better be ready to die amen <laughs> nothing about it it's life it's just the way this world's set. so let me get started here, and if you would turn your bibles to psalms ninety one and i have a, I have something that I have lived by and and i've i've uh Give my heart to many years ago, and it has protected me. It has allowed me to go the some of the toughest nations of the world. I, the Lord's allowed me to minister in 53 of the 56 nations inside the 1040 window. I don't know if you know what the 1040 window is. It's a geographical term. If you lay the map of the world flat, I'm going to go fast, okay? Because you guys are cranium. You're, you're from Netherlands. You're smart, all right? So Netherlands Geography. 101, 1040 window. Lay the map of the world out flat, and you make a window, you know, like looking through a window. You box it out from Gibraltar on 10 degrees latitude all the way across, up, make another up by China, uh, Hong Kong, and then come back across 40 degrees latitude, and you're looking inside the window. Inside of this window is two-thirds of the world's population, the largest three uh, religious groups in the world, the Muslims, the Buddhists, and the Hindu's. The North Africa, from west of Africa, all the way through the Middle East, the Muslim world, and the Jewish world. I always highlight the Jewish world because Israel is less than 2% Christian. It's very antagonistic and resistant to the gospel. You need to go to Israel. Amen? There's a reason why God is, everywhere I'm going in the earth, no matter where, people are asking about Israel. Or Israel's coming to me. And it's, it's such an amazing phenomenon over the past 12 years of seeing God heighten what's happening in Jerusalem. Then this uh, leadership in America has now shifted the, the embassy to Jerusalem, recognized as the capital of Israel, come on, and capital of the world, amen? And where Jesus will come back and put his foot. Come on, somebody needs to shout about that. Come on, this is inside the 1040 window, and I am happy about it. Hallelujah. And then so you keep going uh, east, and then you come to the Hindu world of India, where 1.3 billion people, and I've been working there for over 22 years, and my children were educated in India. And and then you keep going to the Buddhist world of China, and that's where I go. You want to go with me? You'd love it. I actually learned how to dance before the Lord in India. I learned how to worship God in the dance. Amen. You know the Jews, they're real dramatic and and but you ought to go to an Indian church. They get after it. And so I, what I want to do today is I want you to stand to your feet and I'm going to teach you how to dance before the Lord. You are you are mostly, mostly Caucasian white like me, and have no rhythm. Hallelujah. I 's the way I am, come on, arise all right it's really, really not complicated if they taught me how i anybody can do it come on all the the the, the come on the african people they 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 can just fix and show us up so we'll have church in here till two o'clock in the afternoon, amen all right, so Take your right hand and put it forward. and Now take your left foot and put it a little bit forward so you can get a little balance, a little flow going. Come on, somebody. And so you take your right hand and you unscrew the light bulb. You got it? You got it, you got it, you got it. Now you take your left hand and at the same time you pet the dog. You got it? All right, you unscrew the light bulb and you pet the dog. You got your little bounce going and then you do your head and you go ding, ding, ding. Hey. Hallelujah. Come on. If nothing else, it'll make you smile. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you for joy in the house. We love you for, just because you're so good to us, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we honor your presence. Oh, come on, God. Do miracles among us today. Touch your people. We bless you today. Come on, everybody, and we say in the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can turn to Psalms 91, you the dancers in the house of the Lord. You'll never forget that. If I bring my family with me, they get embarrassed when I do that. So I do it on purpose then. (laughs) All right. You're having trouble with my my English, my translation. It's very southern. Uh, But I get to India, and I'll be there a month, and I'll be talking like this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or I can go down to South Cage in Louisiana, you know, with a shrimp Oh, you know, boys, down on the bayou. It's a different world there, too. I definitely have learned how to cross cultures. So, Psalms 91. Here we go. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And it says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. Come on. He is my God, and I trust him. This morning, I'm going to speak to you just a few moments on the wonderful authority of God. I want to greet your pastor if he's watching us online and everybody else who's watching us online. I love technology. Uh, many places I go in the world, I only bring my phone <clears throat> because I have the Word of God on my phone and it's not in this book form where people uh, can, where it causes a problem because they don't, nobody bothers a phone. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> don't everybody have a phone? Well, some places in, Lu- in, in Louisiana, they don't have phones. <laughs> it doesn't, the cell phone doesn't work. Can you imagine that? In America. But if you go to India, everybody's got a phone. It's big business. But the Bible talks about a secret place, a shelter. It talks about a place where, where we can find refuge. It's a place that we can go daily. We can go in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. It's the place of, of, of it's exampled by uh, like a chicken with the little chicks underneath hidden. The place of ultimate protection. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of God. The shadow of God. I mean, you just say it like that and you start to feel something on your inner man it starts to swell up and say, oh, I'm in his shadow. I'm in his care. He's watching over me. He's protecting me. I don't have to worry about it. Jesus is in control. Not, my, li- my eyes are lying to me. What I'm hearing is lying to me, but I, the word of God says I'm under his shadow and I'm a, I'm okay. it's going to be okay. Amen? It's a good thing. This shadow... The Jewish people call this shadow, this secret place, the tabernacle. The Old Testament talks about that when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, they moved out into the wilderness. God gave Moses the instruction to build a tabernacle. And he, and he taught the people how to tabernacle with God. And then in Numbers chapter 15, he, he goes and says, I, look, I want you to... to Put on a, a shawl. I want you to build this beautiful prayer shawl so that you can use this as a covering when you come before me. If you go to Israel today, you'll see Jewish people out in the streets. You'll see people at the Western Wall, and they'll have their their prayer shawl, or as in the Hebrew, they call it the talit. They'll have it covering their head. It's blue with white and has tassels at the bottom of the fringe. They wear it underneath their garments, the Orthodox do. do and you can, you can just see regular people with suits on and they'll have the, the tassels of their tallit hanging low. But they use this as a place called the secret place because when you put the prayer shawl over your head, you go into a place that's alone, just you and God. You come into a place of authority with you and the word of God. At the the fringe, these tassels as the uh, knots and strings, and each one of these strings are seven and then a knot, seven strings and then a knot. And it adds up to 613 laws of the Torah. It represents the law of Moses. Actually, it's funny, if you eat a pomegranate, which is the fruit of Israel, there's 613 seeds inside of a pomegranate kind of cool how God is just in the numbers. I love numbers like that. It, it points me to God. It points me to his authority, the word of God. When they would slay the animals at the altar in the tabernacle, it would be so much blood that, that the blood would run deep and the priests would be working and killing the animals and the blood would run deep and it would run so deep that it would go up to the to where the prayer shawl was and the blood would cover the law. It would cover the the knots and the strings of the prayer shawl. Come on, you got that? The blood will cover the law. Only the blood of Jesus that fulfilled all, every jot and tittle of the law. This thing is very detailed and very precise on how to tabernacle with God. This place of holiness tabernacle in those days, it had, you walk into it through the door and there would be the altar representing the cross, sin sacrifice, a lot of labor intensive work of animals, bulls and goats. And then you would go into the outer courts, the courts of praise, ding, ding, ling ding, ling come on. And we'd be shouting and having a good time, praising God. And then they'd have the water baptism, the, the brazen labor, the place of washing, the washing of the water by the word of God. And I, I would always wonder how in the world would blood run so deep on top of the temple mount that they would wash it off? Well, on the northern side of the temple in Israel, they had the the pools of Bethesda where the man who laid for 38 and a half years, Jesus healed him immediately. They had these pools of Bethesda, huge pools of water. And they would open the sluice gates and the water would come out over the temple mount floor and wash it. And it would mix. At the place of of the altar, water and blood would mix. Come on, somebody getting this? When they stuck the spear in Jesus' side, what came out at the altar? Huh? Blood and water. And it mixed, and it goes out the eastern gate, around the Kidron Valley, all the way around the southern steps, all the way down to to the Dead Sea, this mixing of, of blood and water as it washed the temple. It's just cool how everything works together. But then there was the holy place. The old tabernacle that Moses designed, it was just, it was four coverings. It wasn't really pretty to look on. The top covering was made of badger's cloth, animals. And it, it, did, it was not very pretty. And then it says that Jesus was comely. He wasn't some extraordinary, you know, Bollywood, Hollywood. Hilverson super, Superstar. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it, it's just a normal guy. So it was representation these four coverings of the holy place, the four gospels—a different flavor, a different look at the one who is the holy place. the, the badger's cloth, and then the next cloth was was a a, a sheet that was dipped in crimson blood, made from the, a crustacean like a little snail, and they would they would make it red. So you got to go in to the presence of God only by the blood of Jesus. There's no other way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. And then the, the next covering was blue, representing the heaven, the, the place where Jesus is preparing for us. And then the last covering, that when the priest of the Lord went in to minister in the holy place, it was white, representing the holiness of God. The different flavors of the, of the Gospels, the four Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one portraying Jesus a different way. Jesus the king, Jesus the servant, Jesus the man, and Jesus is God. Each one of those gospels specific in, in, in showing how the tabernacle is important. And so to, to the, the people would go and they would take the, the tallit and they would put it over their head as they would begin to pray. The prayer shawl. The, the Jewish people developed this as a, as a reminder of the covenant of God. Reminder. Of the of the laws of God. You know, we have to be reminded what the laws of God are. We have to come back into alignment with with the way God set things in authority. That's the beauty of the tabernacle. See, it's the wonderful authority of God. As, As believers, we were rebellious and outside of God's ways, we were lost without redemption. And then Jesus saves us, he washes us clean, and he changes our lives, and then he has this process called discipleship, to making disciples. And the first thing, I don't know about you, first thing God started working on me was my rebellion, because I didn't like authority. I didn't like nobody telling me what to do. Hello? And so I said, okay, Jesus, he said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to pray this prayer. I said, what is it? He goes, teach me humility Whew. that's a tough one I went through three years of rebuke and, and people correcting me and I was having to mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and you know all that was look, that look of resentment and, and pure bitterness was on my face I didn't, I didn't know how to smile people tell me you, say, you, need to, you need to get your attitude right and I just look at them and I'm like you need to get your attitude right What's up with that? I feel like, because my heart was just so carnal. It was so world, I was in the world system. I didn't know the kingdom. I didn't know how to approach the authority of God correctly. I had a bad attitude, but I still had to stand before God. And I knew how to come in and say, Lord, forgive me and help me. I knew how to prostrate myself. Say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand all this, but I need you. So 1 Samuel chapter 24 is a cool story of God's authority, of God placing a man of God in authority over the the kingdom of Israel. They didn't like it. Well, they wanted it at first. And then all of a sudden they got knee deep in it. Hey, church is fun. Everything's great. And then they got around church a little while and they were like, these people got problems. <laughs> this is a hospital. They, got, they smile on the outside, but on the inside, their heart's far from the Lord. The spirit of Saul, it rested on the leadership. And you become familiar with the leadership. And so, but you have the zeal for the house of the Lord and you're like, David, man, I'm gonna go fight Goliath. I'm gonna help my brothers and sisters out. I can take him out. I've been, he'd been tabernacling with God on the mountaintop. He knew how to take authority over the bear, over the lion, and then he says, I'll go take Goliath, and he did. And when he did, they started dancing in the streets of Jerusalem and said, David has, Saul has killed thousands, David has killed ten, ten thousands, and then the leader, became jealous. The spirit of Saul is always wanting to manifest itself in leadership. There'll be things that you see in leaders in your pastor. Hey, I've been in the same church 37 years. My pastor asked me to leave three different times. Hello. He said, brother, me and you aren't getting along and you just, you're just not lining up with my heart and vision. He said, you need to leave. I said, I was here the first day it started too. I ain't leaving till Jesus tell me to leave. You can't make me leave. I said, hey, hello. And then where I'm from in America, if we don't disagree and we, we can't get along like that, we just take it outside and, get, and when we were really fix it. Amen. I ain't kidding. <laughs> but there'll be disagreements in the church. You won't understand what God's doing. You'll be familiar with it. You'll see all the details. Then you'll read your Bible and you'll say, that's not lining up. Ooh, hello. You still want to be here? You still want to be on this journey with Jesus? After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David. He's he's mad at David. It's a 12-year process from the time David killed Goliath till David became king. And so after after eight years, Saul's still after him. He's mad at him. He's wanting to destroy David because he, he knows the anointing of God's on David. You know, leaders see your giftings. They see your spirit. Leaders can get jealous. They can make mistakes. But the good thing is, they just like us. They can change in a moment. They can humble themselves and say, I was wrong. We we need to do this God's way. So Saul goes in. The story goes on. that Saul chased David. And David and his men hid in a cave. And then, I ain't got a chair up here, but. Oh, Saul, he had to go take care of his business. Come on, somebody. He had to go relieve himself. And when he did squat down, guess what was down there? His prayer shawl, his talit. And David was so familiar with him. He lived with him. He, he played the stringed instrument to Saul. He was in the house, he was a worship leader. Huh? Worship leaders. You're close to the to the king. You can influence the king one way or another. Your worship can influence the Spirit of God in the house. Hello? And so he, he relieves himself, and the, 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 the law is hanging down. And David, knowing, he knew everything about him. That don't sound good, does it? He knew where he used the bathroom. He knew what he smelled like. He knew every flaw, every problem, every way he thought that was not lining up with, with the way of the Spirit of God. And yet David could have walked up there and cut his throat. But David was tempted to cut his talit. He cut the authority of God. And the Bible said it, it Touched his heart immediately. You know how we cut? With our mouth. How You know how we cut? Well, I ain't giving to that thing no more. I'm not showing up no more. I, you remove your heart. I've done it before myself. I just say, well, you know, I'm going to go fishing today instead of go to church. Hello. I'm going to go play football. Whatever. Just in my attitude, I'd be like, I'm taking a day off. You know what? I don't believe in the kingdom we ever take a day off. We're always engaged. I guarantee you, Pastor Sebastian's engaged. He's on Sabbath, hallelujah. That brother's word to death was going on up here. He can't stand it. He knows, you know, he's like, my, my people, I love them because he has a heart of a shepherd. He knows, he's familiar. And guess what? You are familiar with him. You are great warriors with the heart of David to worship, the heart of David to kill Goliath. You also have the heart of rebellion to cut his skirt. We all do. Your pastor didn't know I was going to come preach about this today. I came to preach this today because I have lived this, and I live this every day. I've made great mistakes, and i made great choices in the house, because what I do in the house of the Lord propels me into the nations of the world. It propels me into the authority of God. So David cut into Saul's secret place, his tabernacle. That ought to mess with my heart. It does. Touch not my anointing and do my prophets no harm. If you don't agree with it, the best thing you can do is just keep quiet and pray to Jesus about it. That's what wives do to husbands if they want them to change. <coughs> because all that, yeah, 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 ain't gonna work. <laughs> But when they say, Father, would you do something to this man? (laughs) And the husband say, Father, this woman won't listen when you talk to your daughter. (laughs) Hello, 35 years. Come on, somebody. There's power in the secret place. There's power in the tabernacle. There's power in your prayers. And they stack up. They, They build investment in the kingdom. You deposit into the kingdom because one day you will have to take a withdrawal from your spiritual account. One day, the greatest trial, the greatest test, you may be walking through this today. You may have got a bad report from a doctor. your, Your business is a problem. Or you got a bad attitude in this house. And God's saying, come under. There's protection. There's covering. Come under my shadow. There was this woman in Luke chapter 8. The Bible calls her the story of the woman with the issue of blood. I'm not going too long, am I? Y'all give me grace? Because I'm 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 going to give you something here at the end that's going to help you. The woman with the issue of blood, verse 43. It says, where were we at? A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. A pretty long time. She's probably pretty weak. She probably had to be helped out of the bed. Constant bleeding. She could find no cure. She didn't spend everything she had. Then it's coming up from behind. You know, you know when Jesus is coming. You can hear it. You can hear it in your spirit. He's coming. She touched the fringe of his, of his robe. She had to crawl. In Israel, many times she had to crawl through the dirt and the little, bone, little bones and rock and just cut herself. She had, to, she had to go in desperation. And everybody's crowding around Jesus. If you've ever been on a bus in India, you know what I'm talking about. Sweat. Curry and blood—it's just wonderful mixture of aroma. And you—and everybody's trying to get to him because if we could just touch him, he could change it. If, if she, I can imagine, she got there and I didn't, her, they didn't kick her and moved, Get out of the way, woman! And then at the last moment, she reaches out and she grabs this prayer shawl. His tabernacle she grabbed the word and I don't think she let go I think she held on to it but not in the end of her rope her very life she held on Jesus said who touched me circumstances that put her in this situation, she was definitely not under the shadow. But she got to him. This desperate attitude, not to cut the skirt, but to touch the skirt. God is setting you up for a moment of touching the skirt. The days of cutting the skirt are over a thousand heels. The days of intimacy, of waiting at his feet, have come. I'm not saying they are going to come, they have come. You take communion differently, you look into his eyes of fire. She waited. I was a young believer, and I didn't know about Israel or nothing. I just knew how to work hard. But I wanted to go to a Jewish tabernacle because I wanted to hear them pray in the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I walked in there, and I could feel the authority of the Word of God. from that moment on I've never never cut the skirt on the Jewish people i never cut the skirt on the unreached peoples of the word of the world out of Matthew 24 14 who have never heard the name of Jesus once I'm going next week fly, drive, 14 hour bus ride, 3 days on a motorcycle to go to a village that's never heard Jesus once I cannot stop. It's going to hurt my body. It's going to take more of my strength from this world. Give me one more. Israel's salvation is on a, it's on a point. The Unreached people groups of the world are on a point. I've grabbed a hold of that garment, and I'm never going to let it go. Because when we touch the heart of God, and we hold on to it, there's some miracles there. My daughter got in a horrible car accident 10 years ago. Crushed her leg, crushed her hip, pelvis severed, 85% of her ribs, she died on the way to the hospital. And I get to the hospital, now remember I said, 37 years, same house, working it out, I don't agree, I still stay humble, I stay under. I don't want to, I'm fighting and God's doing things in my heart, changing my heart. Yet I stay under. I walk into the hospital, the doctors wanna tell me, I know what they wanna tell me. I said, wait a minute doc, before before you tell me your report. I said, let my family move out. I move all my family out of the room. Because you remove doubt out of your greatest trial. You need to write that one or tweet it or whatever you call it. You remove doubt out of your greatest trial so that you can touch the hem of his garment. I looked at my son-in-law. He'd only been married nine months. I said, son, you're, I gave you authority over my daughter. I said, you need to give it back to me for this short season because your faith isn't as strong as mine. He's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) He didn't didn't understand what I said. I didn't really understand what I said, but I understand authority. I understand coming under. I understand staying in the shadow of God. I understand waiting at his feet. I'm not eloquent of speech. I'm not well trained, but I know him. And that's what Jesus needs. Yeah, he needs all of us, all of our talents. He needs our hearts. I told the doctor, I said, I know she's dead. Go put blood back in her body and she'll come back to life. The mercy room surgeon immediately started speaking French to me. I'm talking Cajun French. That means he was cussing me bad it was a bad moment then the neurosurgeon said you know I've been studying life after death he said what's it going to hurt he said I'll take responsibility he's walking out the door I said life's in the blood brother Jesus name I go to that same hospital every once in a while it seemed like every time I go I see that guy and he'll look He God's fixed to do a miracle in here I said yeah because he uses medical people to do miracles every day. I thank God for the medical profession. On the third pint of blood, Katie's body responded. She started pumping. It. She, was, she was 25 minutes, no blood. 48 units of blood later, they got her stabilized and they put her back together and 10 months later she got on an airplane and went to me with me to her beloved India. It ain't about what I've done, it ain't about where I go or what I do. It's about touching Him. Summertime, y'all been doing stuff, but this, I'm telling you, this is what this next this fall, this season is going to be it's going to be the intimacy of God some of you have never entered into an intimate watching and waiting before God until he comes it takes great focus because all of the familiar of the world, circumstance it all try to to disengage you from the mission from completing what God has given you to do Are you going to do what the Lord has given you to do in this hour? I mean, you sometimes you'll have to go alone, sometimes you can build a team, but God has given each and every one of us a mission. And you're on point. You're on point. Amsterdam, the Netherlands, the Gateway City. This is, this is a gateway city, you know it is. And you understand, that's why have, some of you are here, to be able to intercede, to see, and, to, and to, to stand in the gate and worship, to stand here at Thousand Hills in the midst of the media, in this midst of the vision that the pastor has, and to, and to build his house. You know the mission that God has called you to do, but in the middle of it, take heed take heed that you don't cut the skirt. The quickest way to get in trouble with God is to cut the skirt. But the quickest way to touch God is to touch the skirt. To touch His heart. I honestly didn't want to come. I'm on my way to India. I'm so jet-lagged right now already. I'm living in the fog. I'm actually writing a book, and that's the name of it, Living in the Fog. I live in the favor of God for over 20 years. I've been a missionary. I've been a prophet to the nations. And I come here to prophesy to you today. The next season for Thousand Hills Church is a season of great intimacy, And out of that great intimacy, you'll see God's power released with signs and wonders and miracles. It'll be highlighted with days of communion, weeks of waiting, seeing what, what, what you think you can do in your own power will be accentuated by sitting in his presence and letting God do it for you. All we have to do is be willing vessels. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm through. I don't come here with eloquent speech. I'm just a simple man. I got a decent education. It doesn't do me much where I go. But I know the one who has the wisdom of the world. He created it all. I want to pray for you. I don't know if some of you have ever given your heart to Jesus. I'm going to let the pastors do that. I mean, I was in the greatest rebellion in my life before before I met Jesus. I met Jesus driving down the road in my car one night. Jesus sat in the car and cast nine demon spirits out of me. That's how I got saved. You get saved too. I was scared. I was scared I was going to go to hell. I believed in hell. But Jesus, and then when I tell people in India, uh, Jesus cast nine demon spirits out of me. They go, oh, very good, very good, sir. It's wonderful. They understand. It's part of natural life, the spirit world. Here, our our mind, our cranium gets involved. We don't even understand spirits, jealousy and hatred and Bitterness. Division. So today I, I'm, I'm just releasing over you the spirit of peace in Jesus' name. And, and what's happened in the past is over, declares the Lord. It's the new day, a new creation, a new way. Isaiah 43, 19 says, I'm doing a new thing among you. I'm taking the high places and bringing it down low and the low places and bringing it up high so that you can run swiftly with the word of the Lord. You can run run swiftly with intimacy with the king. You can do these things at his feet. I pray every one of you in this room will have the blessing to touch the nation of Israel. To have the dust of Israel on your feet, that you'll be able to take your feet, your, your shoes and throw them at Jesus' feet and say, I was involved in what you're doing in the last days, oh God. I prayed for the nations. I prayed for the Netherlands. I stood at the gate city. I did what you commanded me. I completed my mission, Lord. And I didn't give in to familiar. I didn't give in to the to the radical changes and all the yeah, yeah, and the gossip and, the, and how the devil was trying to tear things down. I didn't give in to it. I stayed faithful. I just stood there, God. I always didn't show it on my face, but God, you changed my heart and you changed my attitude. So today, Father, I just release a blessing over Thousand Hills, Pastor Sebastian, his family, we pray for him. God, when they come back, they'll be just like, it'll be full speed, Lord. It'll be full speed ahead. They won't even have to to do any damage control. They'll be like, oh, wow, this thing is rolling. And it's because we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, come to sit at your feet and touch and kiss the talit, to kiss the prayer shawl, to kiss the word of God, we, we humble ourselves under your authority. Protect us. Keep us. Oh, God, would you do that for us? I know it's your good pleasure. I know it's your good pleasure. Even today, Lord, let people step out in faith in areas for freedom, for deliverance. Let them walk as a priest into the holy place, forever changed, and understanding their place. We love you for that today. You're so wonderful, Jesus. You're Lord over everything. And we honor you today. In the name that's above every name, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen.